0: Welcome to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, recorded live at the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the jobs they really love. So it's true, in case you didn't know, the world of work in the US is changing as Gen X millennials and those to come after us seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. Our show's purpose is to address some of these evolutions and what that means for your own career. And of course, we're gonna talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top rated career coaching service. Check out our drone and dirty job search, along with all of our resume packages at our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's PersonalTouchCareerServices.com, or you know, you can just Google it. So anyways, what we're going to be talking about today is what employers really want. And no, I don't have a mouse in my pocket today. I do have a special guest along with me, and that is Dia Klein. Dia, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be on this podcast episode. I am Dia Klein. I am a resume writer, job search coach, and business development manager here at Personal Touch Career Services. My other jobs include acting, stand up comedy, and writing. But for today, we're going to go full on business.
0: Yeah. And if you're going, wow, that voice is familiar somehow, yes, Dia does do our closing credits. <laughs> so, yeah. voice voiceover work is part of what she does
1: yes. so yeah
0: so if if you want to be looking for some great voiceover people on your podcast dia can help you out with that most stuff and so before we get into this whole thing that employers really want i think most people run into their first interaction with any company is going to be with the hr department right oh, Trying absolutely. to get a job there you got to get through the screening process and and how does that whole thing work anyways, right? So there are some people who get one view of the HR department where after they submit their resume, you know, the director of HR is going to carefully read through everything on their resume and compare it to all the open jobs that they have and just really see where you can fit in, right? And even get a vision and all your potential for not just the jobs here today, but where you could grow in the company in the next two to three years. Now, uh, do you believe that's really happening, Dia? No. What?
1: <laughs> no. No. Those, those people, those HR people, those, they are not giving you anything over 10 seconds. They're not connecting any dots. They're not thinking out of the box for you. They have a checklist. Check, check, tick.
0: Yeah, and sometimes HR has what I call black and white thinking. Meaning, do you fit the requirements of the job we're looking at today? Yes, no. All right, you're gone. Because the fact is, a lot of people don't like to hear this one. But the HR department's got to cut 95% or more of all the candidates for any job posting.
1: That's that's huge. That's that's basically everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, I know it sounds like a really, really high number, but if you think about it, just a job you've seen on a, on LinkedIn recently, and it's got 200 applicants. So if they took 10% of the applicants, that's 20 people. Do you think they're really going to interview 20 people for any given job? No way. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No way. So the, and to do this, they every single hr department i've ever worked with worked in all of them use simple tricks to cut people and one of the biggest ways is through the keywords ats baby yeah so if you don't know what an ats is that's an applicant tracking system and most of them are looking for anywhere from a 50 to an 80 percent match on the keywords within the job description before your resume goes through to a human being
1: yeah this is the part that so many of my clients get real stuck on it's trying to decode and figure out what are those keywords
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so before we get into like how the keywords work and stuff like that let's talk a moment about how these job descriptions are created so dia are you familiar with how that process works
1: I have never worked in HR but I see the results of what HR puts out on a daily basis. So I I know they have a formula of where they put information so I know it's an outline. Right. But
0: where that before that part gets formulated, whenever like a job opening comes up at a company, you know, number one they got to identify they have a need whether it's a brand new job or they're replacing somebody else. So the hiring manager goes to the HR department and says, and hiring manager's not the recruiter that's your future boss for anybody listening out there, just to be crystal clear. So hiring manager goes to HR and says, hey, we need to hire somebody. And HR goes, great, we need a job description. And they'll either give them a form to fill out or they'll pass over the old job description. And they always ask the hiring managers, What is the number one skill that you need to perform this job?
1: And they all say communication skills. Well, actually, what they'll say is the main
0: thing I need for this is somebody who knows how to write an email, answer their phone, get reports back on the status of projects and just really understands how to talk to me or how to write a report. So then HR goes, aha, that <laughs> is excellent communication skills. Literally those words, excellent communication skills. And yeah, this goes way back to the last time I did HR, which was in 2011 is when I stepped off the corporate cliff. And I looked this up to make sure that this is still true. So there was an article written by Career Builder in June of 2022 They did a survey kind of like what are like those top skills that managers are looking for. And still, number one, communication, effective communication, both written and in person, is essential. Followed by leadership, empathy, multitasking, detail-oriented, and problem-solving.
1: And those are all the keywords that my clients Hate me for putting in their resume.
0: Exactly.
1: Exactly. Why are you doing that?
0: Yep. Because there's also equally out there tons of articles written by marketing people or written by resume writers who don't understand the HR screening process. And they go, don't put these stupid keywords in here because they're vague. They're just random personality traits. They don't mean anything. I can't. Test you on this stuff, so take it out because it doesn't matter. Instead, tell us about how you communicate. But that's um, that's not how HR is screening resumes.
1: No, nope, nope. it's the it's the assumption, right? Everyone thinks it shouldn't belong because it's assumed I can ha- I have excellent communication skills. I'm writing a resume. I write my reports. I do all. Uh, I'm an adult. I have excellent communication. It's the assumption. Yeah. We can't ever assume. Right.
0: That's just like, oh, I don't need to write down Microsoft Office on my resume because this resume was written in Microsoft Word. (laughs) So they should understand that I know how to work in Word. It's like, mm, no, no, because it all comes down to these different audiences for your resume. And this is something that we've talked about a lot. So, Dia. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about these audiences for their resumes?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a ladder. You have to think about your resume has to be able to be viewed and read and understood by a variety of different people and computers. So the first level is the screening computer, the ATS. That's the first audience that your resume has to be written towards. Once it gets through ATS, It's the HR department. So your resume not only has to be ATS compliant, it has to be human compliant. It has to be written in a way that makes sense organizationally for a human in HR to understand your offer. Mm -hmm. Then that goes up to the hiring manager who isn't looking at all the the silly things the ATS and the HR department was looking at. They're looking at who you are, what you're delivering, what your brand is, what your offer is. So the resume has to be written in that way to appeal to them because you're answering their ask. And then we go out bigger into the world for the headhunters who have an entirely different idea of how they want to sell you.
0: Yeah, I always like to point out these headhunters or outside recruiters. Uh, you are just sellable meat. Yeah, as a job seeker, you are the product. And uh, I've seen a lot of resumes come to us where they're like, hey, the recruiter told me to do it just like this. And I'm like, well, you know what? If you're the sellable meat, you may be a gorgeous piece of, oh, I don't know, like a New York strip steak, right? So they want to dress you up and trim the fat in a certain way to fit their menu. And then when they present that menu to the employers, uh, they are fitting exactly what they want to see. But sometimes the uh, company doesn't want a nice sirloin, they want a salmon. So they didn't order you, and this is why all of a sudden the recruiter stops talking to you. Because guess what? You are not a salmon and they are selling salmon today. So just keep that in mind and don't just run with what these headhunters are saying that, oh, they fixed up my resume. So this is obviously the perfect way to do it. That was for their own purposes. And they often will take out the so-called stupid keywords, too. So I stupid keywords, by the way, are these all these like big personality traits that are hard to prove that everybody else is telling you to take out, but I guarantee you, go read any job description out there and now you're gonna see it every single time from entry level data entry people to our C-suite, it's going to say in there somewhere, excellent communication skills. Because while hiring managers are talking about, I need somebody who can write and read and answer me when I call. HR must put this into terms that the computer can read in a resume and screen people by so that they can do those easy cuts and get to their 95%, right? That black and white thinking means it has to be these smarter, stupid keywords. By the way, a smart keyword is anything that actually relates to the job that you do. So if you're in sales, it's like prospecting, negotiations, deal creation, you know, all the rest of those things and the stupid keywords, the communication, multitasking, detail-oriented and all the rest. So those soft skills are the things that are going to save you in the job. And unfortunately, on resumes, all we have are the keywords to relate.
1: Mm Yeah, it's so it's so important when it really, really proves the point when we go into an ATS program like Mm Jobscan.co and we can show our clients, look, here's what the analytics are saying. This is this is an algorithm. And it's saying when I take out your dumb, soft keywords, you are 35 percent, 35 percent. And I got to get you up to 50
0: Mm hmm.
1: And, and that kind of helps prove the point when it's kind of when people are data focused, hard facts. That's a really great way to show, like, I'm, I mean it. I'm sorry. It's the reality. This is just how it is.
0: Yeah. And for any of you out there who don't know what Jobscan is, that's a great website. We actually use it to double check our work because you can upload your resume. You can upload a specific job posting and then it gives you that calculations of like, oh, you had a 35% match to the job description, and here are the exact words that you missed. Now, if you're gonna use JobScan, I do wanna (laughs) give you some fair warnings because uh, number one, is gonna tell you that it wants an 80% match. Uh, That's kind of overkill based in our experience we know that you need to have a 50 to 70 percent match of those keywords to get through uh, an 80 percent match is usually required for like a government job or like an extremely large company with like 50 80,000 employees because the bigger the organization the harsher the screening is just because they have that much more applicants to get through so that's why that is other thing, too, is I like to point out that job scan is set to the stupidest settings possible. I've had points where it goes literally two separate lines in its analysis where it says, okay, you said you have communication skills, but I wanted to see excellent communication skills. <laughs> and yeah. I'll have both listed. And it's like, I got the check mark on one, but not on the other. And so it marked me down. That's a stupid, stupid, stupid ATS. And most of them are not quite that dumb.
1: And the reason JobScan sets it so stupid is because they have an ulterior motive. What? Obviously, <gasps> yeah. they sell resumes. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend JobScan that co and i highly recommend a large grain of salts but it is a necessary tool to help you not go crazy
0: yeah yeah and besides if you get up to the point where it's an 80 percent match on keywords it's going to start sounding real robotic and then when it gets in front of humans it's not going to be making sense anymore yeah yeah all right so let's talk about when you actually get into the job and how is this communicating in the workplace actually going to take place? So, kind of like the first question I want to put out there, Dia, is whose responsibility do you think it is to manage communications within the office to make sure that you understand what's going on?
1: I'm going to assume responsibility falls on me because I've, if I'm not understanding, if I'm unclear, if I don't know what's happening, I'm not an effective communicator if I don't reach out and ask.
0: You must be a grumpy Gen X person.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I am. Don't you get off? Thank you.
0: <laughs> and I know that sounded kind of like an asshole move out there, but
1: what's <laughs> my watch? Watch showing. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: yeah. The reason why I'm pointing this out is there are some generational differences here, and. I don't know if it's just necessarily generational differences. I think it also has to do with maturity levels and age. And we have worked with and coached people for several years now, and we work with people at all ages. So sometimes there's differences not only in the way people prefer to communicate depending on your generation, it's taking on that responsibility of the communication as well. So one of the big, big things that were in HR promotion when, before Gen Z was really starting to enter the work- workplace, there was the whole thing of like, oh, millennials need tons of feedback, right? They need to know that they have a mentor and they need to know when they're doing good and you have to pat them on the head and all the rest of the, you know the us grumpy Gen Xers will (laughs) make jokes about everybody needs a participation trophy. And now millennials want that in the office place. And that sounds like really dismissive, but you gotta understand where Gen X is coming from. So when we first entered the workplace in the nineties, we would like some mentorship back then, but also many of us were kind of like latchkey kids. I know I was. You know, we had to be responsible for our own stuff from the first day. So the whole thing of walking in there and seeing the baby boomers who were too busy with their own things to teach us anything. We were just kind of like, well, I assumed that was going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the 90s, the big jokes about Gen Xers were that we were disloyal to the companies. Do you know? Do you remember this? Do you know this? No. Yes, because we would do crazy things like value our time outside of work. (gasps) Like if you didn't give us the time off to go to um, a concert for the weekend, we would quit our jobs and go to the concerts anyways. we had this thing about work-life balance, right? Yeah. Because, because, you know, the senior leadership wasn't making space for us to step into roles where we could prove ourselves. So being the grumpy Gen X as we are, we're like, okay, well, this game is rigged. I'm going to go bungee jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a new tattoo. <laughs>
1: Been there, done that.
0: (laughs) But also what happened with this generationally is we had to still, even in the workplace, figure out things on our own. Yeah. We were given the workbooks. We were given the manuals, given light instructions and told to figure it out for ourselves.
1: (laughs) Hopefully they made an ABC after school special about that.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Right. (laughs) So generationally when the millennials started coming into the workplace about 10 or 15 years ago there was a shift so not only was millennials a lot more used to close conversation with their parents mentors teachers coaches all the rest of this there was a lot of support given to them as children that's just the way it was right so stepping into the office space There were a lot of millennials who were struggling and not doing well in adapting to the corporate culture. And there was a lot of things where they would um, senior leadership felt like they were getting badgered because the millennials would walk into their offices all the time or send them messages about they needed feedback to make sure they were doing things right. Even when they were doing things right. (laughs) They just wanted the reinforcement to help um, them feel comfortable and make them feel like they were being successful.
1: So in the baby boomer era slash Gen X era, was it like you figured out you weren't doing it right because you got fired? Was that basically the the result? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or fired. Yeah, like berated, right. demoted, fired.
0: Right. The other thing too, was like us Gen Xers who really dug in our heels we were told, I remember this in college, because I graduated college in 94. And even then we were told, hey, be ready, there's going to be tons of job opportunities as the baby boomers start to retire and retire early. So we were expecting to go in there, pay our dues, earn our way. And then by the early 2000s, baby boomers are going to retire early because that's what we expected the economy to do, to go up for forever. And then we would give our shot. But that didn't happen. The economy crashed. The dot-com thing blew up. So in 2002, all these boomers who were heavily invested in the stock market in the tech space because it had the exponential growth, lost everything and canceled their retirements. This is literally what happened and people don't realize this. So all of us Gen Xers who figured out how to do our stuff had been quietly putting in our time and, you know, growing up without, again, the influence of the baby boomers because they were trying to make their last big push in their careers before they retired early. Lost those opportunities. So now There's so many uh, Gen Xers whose careers stalled out.
1: And is this why there's so many entrepreneurs, Gen Xers? Is that why we are an entrepreneur generation? Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Because why should we believe the promises of senior leadership when it didn't come true in the past? Just- Fool me
1: once, shame on you.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> exactly so now i will let you know some of this is my own personal opinion and some of it's based on observation but...
1: <laughs> this is brilliant this is I, what i remember graduating and i'm the last generation of this so i graduated uh college in 96 uh, i took a five-year plan <laughs> mm-hmm. i graduated in 96 but i'm the last of this generation i think it's even the generation before me because it was the assumption. That all I needed was a college degree. Didn't mm-hmm. matter what it was in. I needed a BS, BA. I needed a college degree. Then me, the unique human, the flavor that I am, would be desirable by these companies who would train me into the job. Mm-hmm. That didn't exist when I graduated. That st- That was stopped being a thing. Yeah. And they looked at my art history and Italian degree, and they were like, "What?" what? you have no experience, you have no skills. We're,
0: yeah, we're why walking. weren't you doing an
1: internship? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, so I got, I'm the generation that got the, the first wake up call, the burn on that.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, fast forward a little bit.
0: So we're in like, was still a lot of rockiness going on in the you know, economics and things like this. So now we're to the point where the millennials are starting to graduate and they're being brought on the teams and hr there were so many studies being done about the generational differences in the workplace how do we make people successful because the millennials were stepping into the workplace and didn't understand how to perform and part of it was the communication issues part of it was they were expecting somebody to take them under their wing and it wasn't always necessarily happening so uh, we had people stalling out or they were quitting because they didn't understand what was going on or worse. They were being fired because they didn't have the transition from the theoretical into the real world. And you got figure too. millennials were used to things being at their fingertips. This is the first generation that was really using the Internet. You got a question, you just Google it. Um, and not to mention, there's so many different ways of communication that they had. So It was easy to like, you got an instant question, you text somebody or you hit them up with a private message or a direct message or you can find an infographic online to fill this stuff in. But it's easier to ask a human than to just Google if you don't know what the terms are. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So HR started to put into play these programs to literally match uh, boomer leadership with millennials to increase their retention because uh, for Gen Xers, by the way, it's not uncommon for us to have three or four different careers in our whole lifetimes. So changing entire careers, not just changing jobs. Um, But we also started the thing that we would change jobs every two to three years. Mm -hmm. Boomers didn't do that. Boomers would hang in there for the long haul until they were laid off. That was their plan. They (laughs) wanted the gold watch. Exactly. And then in the 80s, they kept getting laid off. But that's a different story. So, you know, we're we're used to, like, finding our own opportunities. If it's not working out, we're just going to go somewhere else, you know. And then the millennials were turning into job hoppers. But it it was because they couldn't make the transition from college into corporate environment cultures. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have all these mentor programs. Match these boomers who are looking at retirement. You don't want to lose their institutional knowledge, so uh, let's get them feeling valued again by matching them with these younger people coming into the workplace. So this is why Gen Xers are often called the middle children who were forgotten. <laughs>
1: nobody cared about them. whatever.
0: She it wasn't cared. just never, nobody cared. It was because we were doing the backbone work
1: so we didn't look like we needed help because we had to figure it out ourselves right
0: and the other thing is we didn't necessarily self-promote do you know what that
1: means is that telling like broadcasting i need help no or? it's like look at the awesome shit i'm doing oh i do that though so i'm i am i am the outlier gen x yeah okay got it Really, this is
0: like a big thing for me in my in my early career I wanted to be the team player I would go around and if I had any downtime I would go ask my team what else they needed done it's actually how I cross-trained myself in a lot of different jobs by making myself available to the team the only person I didn't tell was my boss so they didn't
1: see the backbone
0: and they didn't see it So when it came time for promotions, or even in my annual reviews, there were times where I got marked down because they did not see the extra work I was doing because I wasn't tooting my own horn, and I had not gone to the boss to ask for extra projects, I had gone to my team. Mm, Why? Because I'm used to not having to go to my parents. To ask for the right to school, I'm used to finding my own way. Grumpy Gen X. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and is fabulous, fabulous insight. Yeah.
0: There's also another very famous uh, metric when it comes to business management. And uh, there's a new term for it these days, but I'll, I'll point it out now. It's known as the 2070-10. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. So 20% of your workforce are your movers and shakers. They're the ones who are going to go above the extra mile. They're gunning for promotions. They have goals. They want to grow in the uh, organization. They're very ambitious and they're willing to do the extra stuff.
1: So this was you, but so are these people horn tutors? Is this 20% a horn tutor? They should be. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: Right. But also management has been, if it's classically trained management, these things come from college courses. That's where I learned it, right? So that's your 20%. 70% of your workforce are happy in what they're doing now, or they're at least satisfied in what they're doing now. So my husband, Ryan, is a classic example of a 70 percenter. So here's the other thing. Your 70 percenters are your backbone of your business. If they left, you would be so screwed because they are doing the majority of the day-to-day functions, and it's not uncommon for them to be in their jobs long-term. So uh, my husband, Ryan, he's been at his company for almost 25 years. Next year is his 25-year anniversary, and 20 years of that has been in the exact same job. So he used to try to uh, put in for promotions and stuff. And he was literally told by his boss that they would never promote him because uh, he knows everything and how to do the job. So now when they promote the millennials over him, they tell these new team leads and managers for his department to if they have any questions, go ask Ryan because he knows everything. Oh, isn't that now you see why Gen X is grumpy?
1: Yeah. I'll take a 20% salary increase for being Oz. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay, so that's your 70%ers. Not not all all of them are ambitious. Some of them are just happy doing their jobs, or at least they're satisfied enough that they won't rock the boat and they won't leave. The comfortable people. The last 10% are the ones who are actively working towards your downfall. (laughs)
1: Bad seeds.
0: <laughs> Bad seeds. And it could either be they're done with you and they're looking to leave. So they're putting in the bare minimum while they look for a different job. Uh, they might be incompetent. There's always a few of those in there, but not always necessarily. So the new phrase, the quiet quitting. Quitter, yes! In the classic management... Sh- structure tool of the 20, 70, 10. Your quiet quitters are your 10 percenters or your quiet quitters are the people who were your 20 percenters who went the extra mile, sucked it up through the pandemic, gave you everything you asked for and you didn't reward them. So now they've slid back into your 70 percent and they're going to do what's necessary for the job, but they're not going to ask for extra work. They're not going to go the extra mile. It's known now as healthy boundaries. But what you're doing is you're stifling your your high performers and they're just going to go back into being comfortable. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. There's many people who have careers that go 20, 30 years. With comfortable livings. And lots of time for their personal passions, whatever they might be. But you got to understand, that's what quiet quitting is. Does that make sense?
1: That makes so much sense. 20, 70, 10. And how interesting that the big deal currently about quiet quitters makes it seem like it's way more than 10%. It, right? Because it's a big deal right now.
0: Right, because it's your 20 percenters who are sliding into the 70s hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because under the pandemic, the companies said we got to all buckle down. We need your help. We got to make sure we're going to keep the doors open and all the rest of this. So they were able to push for a lot because there was the fear people had of losing their jobs and all the rest of this. And it's like, yes, we'll throw in, we'll help out. And then they sacrificed. And then the company recovered amazingly like many of them have and then they didn't share the wealth but they gave all their c-suite excuse me douchebag c-suite guys <laughs> massive bonuses and didn't do the same consideration for
1: the on-the-ground worker
0: for your on-the-ground boots that's what's going on with the millennials now i do want to let you know one thing are just gen x did not get ignored for forever. As a matter of fact, I looked this up maybe it was a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, but of managers, all the management levels in the United States, 56% of them are Gen X. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody ever mentions it. You know why? We did it quietly. <laughs> because of Gen X's and they just did it we just did it we didn't toot our horns we just did it
1: (laughs) okay so okay i i I hear i see i get that percentage that uh, that analysis so of the directors the c-suites are they still the boomers and also now the millennials and there's not as many uh, backbones up there because that's more of a exalted position
0: it's, it can be a little bit different. It kind of starts looking at what's the structure of the company.
1: Because
0: mm. um, there's a massive difference between, you know, a company of 100 employees versus like a Fortune 500 deal. Right. right. But we are seeing points now where the boomers just are retiring because they have to. You know, they just can't keep it up anymore.
1: 80 is a little old. Come on. he's a little
0: old. Yeah. Not mentioning any ages anywhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and there are some of the millennials who were placed on fast track promotions, you know, the succession plans. And we've definitely worked with people like that who are, you know, moving through the management structures. And we do see it with set growth plans and all the rest of this. <laughs> they respond well to it. And that's the thing. Gen X does, too but we're not going to whine for it. We'll take it, we'll appreciate it. We may not say thank you a whole lot, but we do
1: appreciate it. (laughs) I'm still here, aren't I? Hey, I showed up for work. (laughs) (laughs) 10 minutes early is on time, I'm here, huh? Now we
0: are starting to see the Gen Zs moving into the workforce. Right. So um, they're finishing up with their college and all the rest of this. And it's going to be real interesting to see how they adapt to the workspaces. And this is where I think we're starting to confuse generational tags with uh, just age communication styles. So in our practice, we usually work with people who are mid-career and above. But there are times when we work with people who are fresh college graduates or they're mid to early 20s. Oftentimes, the parents will buy this as like, you know, a present for the new college grad to help them get on their feet and all the rest of that, which makes perfect sense. Uh, That's why I think this is more of an age issue in the communication styles. And we haven't fully seen how they're going to present in the workforce. Mm. One thing it is sure fire is they are used to communicating in multiple different channels because it's always in their pocket. This is the generation that always had smartphones. So if they have a question, and we've seen this, where rather than ask Google, they ask me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm left off and wondering, why didn't you just Google that?
1: because you're my google and it was easier to just text you than have to read a google search yeah yeah
0: didn't know the terms to look up on google okay yeah yeah but also i don't know if this is just typical with college kids or what that it can be hard to set your own agendas make sure that you get done everything you need to do hit all your deadlines and still perform quite top quality work mm-hmm. you've got a, a kid right
1: yeah 24. yeah so right in this in this age frame i think she's is it i think she's millennial or maybe i don't know born in 98 anyway she's 24.
0: Mm-hmm. well now i gotta google that here. now i
1: google it wait just text her <laughs> see i don't want to do that she might be busy She's, busy. She's a professional. She works, but she knows how to multitask.
0: Oh, she is just barely. She's on the cusp. So, depending on who you ask, Gen Z, according to the Pew Research Center, now uses 1996 as the start. Or 1996 was- last birth year for millennials. Mm-hmm. So Gen Z is, starts in 1997 through 2012. Okay. I don't know what the after 2012s is called. Are we going to start over at A?
1: <laughs> the doomsday generation.
0: The doomsday generation?
1: No, no, no. They're Generation Hot. That's what they are. Really? That, right? The generation-, generation Hot. They're children right now. Don't call them hot. <laughs> hot like global warming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Donna- Rating them. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh <laughs> God, like so death is imminent. It's 120 out. Oh. Oh.
0: Yeah, they could be Generation A, the apocalypse generation.
1: Yay! Generation of, uh, uh, oh, God. No, never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> generation vaccine. That's what they are. Yeah.
0: But um, we do need to give some recognition, though, to Gen Z's in that they do have more safety concerns than any other generation?
1: Well, having this 24 year old, I'll tell you, I really love working with our entry level college students that are entering the workplace because I do find a lot of satisfaction in working with them, getting them set up to understand how to move forward in their careers. So I I do love that and also relate because of my daughter. And I see so much of what we teach so useful in the application of just not just how to navigate your career, but you have to know this to navigate life now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Which brings me up to the last point I really want to talk to. Which, you know, as we mentioned, whenever you're starting a new job, like whose responsibility is it to figure out the communication streams from the HR point is we know Employees are going to be more successful when they have a good onboarding experience. And that's better than the onboarding experience I used to get in the 90s. <laughs> here's,
1: a, here's a key. Have fun.
0: Here's a key. Here's the employee manual. Read it. Sign this. And snacks are down the hall. You're right? <laughs> so nowadays, onboarding is a lot more of a cultural experience to make sure People feel welcome and involved in it's that connection, because if you can build a connection with somebody on the first day, you're much more likely to retain them and to turn them into a solid 70 percenter, if not a 20 percenter. But along those lines, I think it's super important to understand what the different types of communication are, recognizing your own best form of communication. So that when somebody asks you or sends you an email, you respond to it in the proper manner. And then also understanding these communication styles for like, oh, your boss. Because if it's different, and this might be, for example, your grumpy Gen X boss who's not necessarily giving you a whole bunch of kudos and things, how do you engage with them in their own communication style to improve this relationship? I'm not saying the relationships are always bad. I'm just saying they're going to be a little bit direct and gruff with you. It's like grumpy grumpy Luke Skywalker from The Last Jedi. (laughs) And Ray kept following him around trying to get him to teach her stuff. And he's just like glaring at her. Like, I'm busy. I got a fish to catch. I got an alien to milk. I figured it out. Go find the manuals and figure it out yourself, right? That's- totally, <laughs> <That's-> totally. <laughs> and then he freaked out when she goes right to the dark side. It's like, well, you didn't give her any directions. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't put
1: the bumpers down at all. You just- Yeah, oh. yeah. What
0: do you expect, you know? <laughs> she did the best she could with no instructions, literally. <laughs> you can't you have somebody with tons of potential walk into a workplace with zero instructions, parameters or performance expectations, and expect them to perform well or on, you know, the good side of the force. Yeah. Human nature, part of us is just going to if we're left to just experiment with whatever, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, I'd go to bad behavior.:
1: <laughs> Excellent analysis. I love that. That's a very good parallel
0: all right so our types of communication number one is face to face love it love it and i would include zoom with that it's
1: face to face
0: as long as you turn your camera on
1: (laughs) Uh.
0: (laughs) okay so then we've got by the phone i don't mean text i mean like phone like words
1: those millennials those gen xers I mean, Gen Zers they don't they don't like the phone. They don't like the phone, and Gen Xers do. And yes, general- we do. Yes, yeah, we love to.
0: There's like a friend of mine who writes me paragraphs in text, and I am the slowest texter in the world. I never got this, and I and I'm real dumb. I don't like to use the microphone to just do text to talk. Like, because to me, it seems stupid. It's like, if I have to talk at the phone to make the text, why don't I just pick up the phone and call the person? I don't have to say, period, exclamation point, question mark. (laughs) Right. So this friend of mine, like, literally sends me paragraphs via text. And I text so slow. So I do, like, two words back. (laughs) And I'm also, I'm also, like, probably come across as really aggressive in text because I, like, put punctuation in there, too. Because I'm a writer. I got to have park punctuation.
1: Yes. My daughter said I'm aggressive with my text because I punctuate. Yeah, exactly.
0: So that's the difference between my millennial friend and me. Millennials, very accustomed putting things in text. Yeah. There's also email. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. uh then we've got our direct message you know instant message kind of people uh i don't know why i dislike that even more than
1: text well because it's like where did you where'd you dm me i gotta go to facebook to find that i gotta go to linkedin to find could you just email me they do pop up
0: on my phone i guess it depends on the platform because messenger comes through on my phone and um LinkedIn, I'm in all the time because that's my main social media platform, but I will have people message me on my professional Facebook because I have two accounts and I never see that. And then I'll always say in the message, I rarely check this account. Please email me or call me. And then they keep sending me messages. It's like, excuse me, I told you the best way to reach me. Why aren't you doing
1: it? It's <laughs> tough. Well, yeah, it's a habit it can be formed once. And that's how I'm doing it. Yeah,
0: and I do believe that memes and infographics are a legitimate form of communication.
1: Sent as a text, you mean? Sent so
0: as a text. Sent as handouts. Sent out on social media. I as believe that the- to
1: just communicate how I'm feeling or what the process I want to communicate with you is?
0: Well, look at it this way. Uh, millennials were very into infographics when, you know, like about five, ten years ago. Okay. That's when they really started getting hot and were really used as a communication method. And where we saw them coming out and why they caught on so much is people were using it as a visual way to understand information, literally what it means. And blog posts where somebody would have to read a 700-word blog post or article to really absorb everything. Instead, they could scan an infographic and understand it within, you know, like 30 seconds and then dive into the written information if they want to know more is a very valid way of communication. And this is also I see this with um, millennial business owners, as well as uh, people within our own coaching groups or. uh, Yeah, it's mostly the business owners who will do this where they'll send you an email about something and then there's a meme attached with it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. And part of this is because millennials want to have fun at work. So now they will accept the memes in their marketing, in their email communications professionally within the workspace. Why? Because it brings more levity to the workforce and they can understand the underlying message and tone of what you're trying to put out there because it's not just relying on the words only.
1: Smart. I'm I I back you up on that. Yeah.
0: So yes, you can throw a GIF in your professional email so long as it's still appropriate. <laughs>
1: Touchstone, <laughs> keyword. Appropriate. Appropriate.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so out of all those different types of communication, Tia, which ones do you like best?
1: Oh, I very much like face-to-face because I'm literal. I'm literal Larry, and I'm a worst-case scenario projector. So if you tell me something, I'm gonna have five questions that are gonna spring off of that. For like, what about this? What about that? What about this? And do you you mean this or that? Because I don't, I don't understand sometimes how to take the words. I don't know which intonation you meant. So I need face to face. Otherwise, it's just gonna be a really long back and forth email chain where I'm just gonna say, "Can I just call you?" Mm -hmm. Because I'm just, I, I. You keep saying the same thing, which is clear as rain to you, and as clear as mud to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I'm definitely a phone person. Yeah,
0: I do well face to face,
1: but see, I, I- can see the phone and face to face the same. Honestly, because it's it's in the moment communication right there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, text can make me annoyed, and especially. Don't like it if I'm didn't answer somebody's text right away and then they flip out. And I'm like, <laughs> if you wanted to talk to me immediately, you should have called.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I'm guilty of not leaving messages. I figure like you saw I called. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course this also relates to our learning styles. And I'm just gonna talk, I'm not gonna get into some of the more advanced stuff here. Just like the main three that most people know. The visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic. And I probably dislike text the most because I am not a visual learner whatsoever. I struggle with infographics too, same reason. I am uh, literally, if I take my glasses off, I am uh, legally blind. Interesting. Yeah, and I didn't get glasses until I was in, like, third grade.
1: Oh, wow. And I was,
0: like, woefully nearsighted. Maybe it was second grade. But even then, I was, like, super nearsighted even way back then. So I learned to not rely on my eyes. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much an auditory, and my best is the kinesthetic.
1: Interesting. Auditory is my worst. I, I zone out. With auditory, I need visual help with the auditory, but kinesthetic that that's where it's at. Like, Donna, if I could have like a dream day at at work, it would be, this is what I want. this is my dream. I want to watch you write a resume from start. <laughs> <laughs> how how weird am I? That's my dream training. I want to watch like I want to watch Beth write a resume from start to finish. That, to me, is the ultimate learning right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think that would be really boring, but okay.
1: That's, <laughs> like, not going to happen. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Keep wishing. <laughs> Get on yeah. A wish. <laughs> yeah. I got to catch some fish. I got some
0: aliens to milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Figure it out. Grumpy, grumpy Gen Xer. Nope.
0: Not happening. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, we've gone on pretty long, and I now come to one of my favorite parts of the show where we get to talk about tattoos
1: so excited for this part okay so dia what tattoo do you want to talk about today okay i'm turning 50 next week (gasps) what oh my god (laughs) and i feel like i need a momentous monumental something What? what says that better than a tattoo of course so I am very open to the idea of a new tattoo commemorating 50. Clearly doesn't have to be on my birthday. It's fine. But I am 100% stumped on what that should be. Mm. So I am open for ideas.
0: Well, let's see. You could get the Grim Reaper because you're one step closer to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> no. Next uh, you you could do a hourglass running
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, pessimism on the line. Here, I'll tell you the one idea I do have. So one of my first tattoos many years ago is from the Siberian Ice Maiden. Okay, she is one of our oldest known preserved human flesh examples of tattoos. She's hugely famous, Siberian Ice Maiden, and she has this... Beautiful reindeer-like mm-hmm. griffin creature on her shoulder. So I had two of them put on my back. Not a tramp stamp. Okay. It's from the Siberian Ice Maiden. It's just two of them on my lower back. Shut up. Mm-hmm. And she has other tattoos. And I thought, well, do I get another one of her creatures and put it on my side? That's as far as I've gotten. That's a good idea. Because I relate to it, it has meaning. I dig how how ancient. And powerful she was and those tattoos are. Um, so that's and then I thought, well maybe I'll just get the word 50. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> or like a bunch of hatch marks for 50.
0: There you go. There you go. One of the ones I want to get done is I want to get a bar neck uh barcode on my neck. Ooh. Scanning too. Yes. Ryan keeps asking what product would it be? And it was like, it can be my book.
1: <gasps> what,
0: like. No, that's kind of lame and soft promoting. And I'm like, what do I like enough to have people scan it on my neck? And I, I can't figure that part out. No,
1: like a, um, um, a GoFundMe or your Venmo or.
0: <laughs> no, now that would.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: all right. I just got the stupidest idea. Do you? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you know that this could be a way the horse get paid in the future. They just put the. <laughs> They're Vimo just... on the neck, right? Because nobody's gonna have cash anymore.
1: Uh, they're already in that position. <laughs> you
0: can just
1: point your phone. Yeah, just let me lift up my hair. Okay, <laughs> get your phone out. Just my neck, buddy. You have to pay extra for other air- angles. Just the neck. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you got me interested in the barcode, Donna Shannon.
0: <laughs> oh. That's a funny joke.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. I feel I might hear that again in an upcoming stand up set that has potential.
0: That does have potential. Yeah. So, anyways, let's put this uh, in, out there to our fans. Put it in the comments. What tattoo should Dia get for her 50th birthday?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And then you're going to have to come back another time and tell yes.
1: what you got. Show and tell. Show and tell.
0: All right. Well, that is everything that we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening in and practicing your own communication skills. Hopefully you got to absorb some interesting things here today. And, of course, if you ever need some help with your job search or you just kind of want to talk about how these grumpy Gen Xers are not giving you a chance in the workspace, we'll we'll listen to you. Maybe. You might not like the answer.
1: <laughs> oh, it's always truth, baby. Always truth. Always truth.
0: So anyways, ah, uh, thank you very much for tuning in, and until next time, I am Donna Shannon. My guest today has been Thea Klein, and this has been Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits.
1: Thanks for listening to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from SoundDogs.com and EpidemicSound.com. Support the arts. We certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at personaltouchcareerservices.com Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com Or you can just Google it.